Thank you, Tim. Uh, if you would all do me the honor of, um, it's a traditional greeting that I have used for 35 years, if you would just uh, humor me in this. If I said God is good, what would you say back? You might say it more enthusiastically than that, though. So if I said God is good and you said all the time, I'm going to ask you that question back, and I'm going to ask you if you mean it, and I'm going to say all the time, and you're going to reaffirm and say God is good. Ready? God is good? All the time? Now we've got to add one more thing. At the end of all of that, I want you to say with me, especially today, and then I'll tell you why. Ready? Say it like you mean it. God is good? All the time? Especially today, because this is the day that the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice and give thanks in it. Amen? Amen? Come on now, I'm in the South. Amen? All right. All right. Appreciate that. Well, it's a delight to be with you all. As uh, Dr. Filson had said, this is my first time as the, uh, as the new stated clerk. And it's, a, it's an odd name, isn't it, stated clerk? I, I don't know exactly what that is, but I'm kind of uh, what, what Tim would be to this congregation, I am to the denomination, if you will. So kind of like the lead pastor of the de- whole denomination, all 660 churches across the United States and the Caribbean. I've been privileged for the last 15 years to serve as a lead pastor of Memorial Park EPC Church in the North Hills of Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania. And so I'd like to start by bringing you greetings from my family, if we could put that up for a second. That's my crew right there. My wife, Beth, and I have been married 32 years. We have seven kids. That's right, count them, seven kids. It's a holy and biblical number all of you should aspire to, uh, unless you're crazy like I am. Um, we have a three biological, four adopted. We have three granddaughters, one who's sleeping in this picture, and uh, we've got two pups and three grand pups. So uh, the Weaver family is a crew. When we are together, uh, it is verbal bedlam. Um, it is just kind of crazy, but we love it that way. I also bring you greetings on behalf of the Office of the General Assembly. Uh, that is our denominational office, which is in Orlando, Florida. And uh, it's, just, it's a lean, mean uh, church machine, if you will. Um, my staff at Memorial Park was larger than the staff that I have inherited down in Orlando. So we're not a top-heavy organization. We recognize that the ministry of God takes place in the local church. And so it's a delight for me uh, starting out in this ministry and serving you as your stated clerk to come and be with a church that is, uh, I think, doing so many things right and healthy. Um, And I will tell you, one of the things you've done right and healthy is the hospitality you've extended toward me is of biblical proportions. And uh, and I have been the beneficiary of that. And I will tell you, um, Harry T., I was uh, this morning uh, sitting there having my cup of coffee um, spending some time with the Lord. And I was telling Tim this earlier. I was just uh, opening up God's word, and God spoke to me and said this, Return my soul to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. And that was his word to me this morning. And, and, and you all have helped that. The Lord has dealt bountifully with me. And for that, I am deeply and profoundly grateful. Would you do me the favor of turning now to your scriptures? I hope that you brought your Bibles with you. If not, we're going to go ahead and put it up on the screen. I feel like our sister gave my sermon a little bit ago, so we're just going to pass the offering plate a second time, and then I'm going to close in prayer. Does that work for you? All right, we'll dig into it anyway. We're going to go through verses 1 through 9 of that passage she mentioned in Joshua chapter 1. Uh, It is a new chapter in the life of the people of Israel. 
Um, how many of you remember uh, that great, uh, one of the great works uh, of English literature by Charles Dickens, uh, The Christmas Carol? Do you remember that? It's actually a social commentary on the child labor problems going on in the 1840s, and he's trying to address that. But it starts with this very kind of alerting, disturbing uh, opening. And I've never seen a piece of literature that starts with something so abrupt. Do you remember the opening line of Dickens' Christmas Carol? It starts with this, Marley was dead to begin with. Bam. I mean, if that doesn't get your attention, I don't, I don't know what will. The book of Joshua sort of similarly starts that way. It starts pretty with an ominous tone, if you will. But it marks this very dramatic uh, pivot or transition uh, from the life of Israel that was uh, uh, expressed in the, in the first five books of the Bible, the books of Moses. Now um, we're going we're gonna to see something very different. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. How's that for an ominous start? Really get your attention. Now, you, to understand that, you have to understand the magnitude of what that means. Moses, the man who delivered them out of Egypt. Moses, the man who stood up against Pharaoh. Moses, who went up on Mount Sinai. Moses, who came down with the Ten Commandments. Moses, who struck the rock. Moses, the great deliverer. Forty years, a generation in the wilderness being led by that man, Moses, God's servant, is dead. Therefore, arise. I thought that was kind of cool since the name of this service was Arise. I didn't plan it that way. I, I'm going to attribute that to the Holy Spirit's mischief. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all the people into the land that I'm giving to them, to all the people of Israel, to every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I had promised to Moses. From the wilderness of this Lebanon to as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, to the going down of the sun, this shall be your territory. And no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, for just as I was with Moses... So I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Let me say that again. I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their forefathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do all according to the law that Moses, my servant, has commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law, well, it shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you might be careful to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Would you say that last line with me? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's join me as we talk to the Father together. Join me, please. 
Lord, I pray um, the words of my mouth and the meditation of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege and the opportunity to come and to open your word that you might use this word to form and shape us as your people. Lord, we pray um, that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to the church, to each one of us individually, to us collectively. We pray that you would speak, Lord, for your servants have gathered. Give us words as off thine altar, O Lord. We pray this in the name of the word who became flesh, and even now in the power of his Holy Spirit dwells among us to lead us in all truth. Through his word we pray. And all of God's people in agreement said together, amen and amen. So as the new guy, uh, as the new stated clerk, um, I have an elevator speech. Those of you in business may know what I'm talking about. I've got a three-minute and ten-second speech that gives you a summary of what I think God has called me to do over the next period of years as the leader of our denomination. You ready for it? Fasten your seatbelts. Ready? In three minutes and ten seconds, roughly here about, here we go. The EPC this year is 40 years old. We will celebrate our 41st General Assembly this summer, which means 40 years with biblical significance is the time and period of which God has formed and shaped for himself a people, a people uniquely created by God to go and inhabit the promises that he has established for them for generations prior. Much like in the book of Joshua, we come to a time of transition, a time when God is calling us to go into a post-Christian, post-modern, post-COVID world and be God's people in that place. Now, to be fair, as we look across into the horizon of that new environment, what many have seen are giants so formidable that it makes you want to turn back and go to Egypt. We'll see fortified cities and fortified ideologies that we're going to have to come up against with God's unconventional means if we're going to have victory where he has led us. But we must first step into the torrent waters by faith, for the God who has parted the waters before can do it again. And so what lies before us is an opportunity to step in to the very promises of God. I think as we step into the land of promise that God has for us in this post-COVID reality that is quickly going to be upon us, I think the Lord would have us to really focus on three things to settle into the land that we might prosper and find it flowing with milk and honey. First, we need to be able to recruit, we need to be able to train, deploy, and care for next generation leaders. That's imperative. And those next generation leaders, most of which are not going to be content to go into the church as they have known it. They will want to go into churches that are either A, revitalized for the new mission and the new time in which they live, because the land across the Jordan is different than the land that is to the east of the Jordan. Or they will be wanting to be involved in church plants. And the growth of the church through innovative and entrepreneurial church plants is going to be the primary way in which next generation leaders want to engage because those churches will be able to achieve what is called a Revelation 7-9 kingdom. 
You may remember from the scripture from Genesis chapter 12, where God made the promise, Joel chapter 2, where God gave the prophecy, when Acts chapter 2, when that was fulfilled because Jesus had commanded it, in Matthew chapter 28, that we would ultimately arrive at Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9. And that is, therefore I looked and beheld before me was a crowd too great to number from every tribe, every nation, every people, and every language. And you and I have been taught to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's the way it looks in heaven, and that's the way it's supposed to look on earth. God promised it, God has brought it, and God will complete it, and he calls us to step into the reality of that kingdom. You will not be able to call next generation leaders who will not want to be in a church that is reaching their own community that looks very multi-ethnic and very uh, multicultural. That is the land we are going in to possess. And I believe God goes before us to fulfill his promises. I didn't time it. How did I do? About three minutes and 10 seconds? Pretty close? Little, little long, a little bit longer, just a little bit longer. Okay, we'll take it. That's where I think we're going over the next number of years. And I don't think that's just true for the EPC as a whole. I, I think that's, that's true for First Thomasville. I think that's true for Memorial Park. I think that's true for every church that would be faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ going forward in this next generation. There are many people who would want to go back to Egypt. There are many people who long for the days of Moses. It was a significant forming and shaping time to be sure. But there's no question that we are coming in to a new season. And for some, that is scary and overwhelming and, and, and just fearful. But I think the scripture says it clearly to us. Three times for emphasis, just in these nine verses. Knowing that Moses, God's servant, is dead. Knowing that what lies in front of them is a land flowing with milk and honey that God had promised to their forebears years before. God tells them, therefore, arise. That's the posture of going in and occupying the land, the promise that God has. And in order to be able to get over their fears and apprehensions and concerns three times, not once, not twice, three times, God reminds us, be strong and courageous. The first time he says it to us, be strong and courageous, he tells us, so that. Be strong and courageous, so that you may inherit the land, and you might inherit the promise. You might inherit the land and inherit the promise. You remember the land when Joshua and Caleb, the only two people from that generation allowed to actually step into the promised land, they're the ones that came back with the positive report. The other spies all said, oh, they're giants in the land. And everybody else would have said, oh my gosh, giants, we can't possibly, possibly do that. But it was Joshua and Caleb who came back with that report. They would do some unconventional things as they would cross that river and go against the fortified city that was in front of them not just walking around the walls seven days and blowing their trumpets but with a with a torrent of a river at flood stages closed behind them and before they would go and attack 
Joshua actually circumcised all of his fighting men right before going into battle. Now, I'm not a military strategist. That seems like an awfully dumb thing to do. I mean, God's unconventional means to accomplish his kingdom purposes that they might occupy the land. And I'm sure for them it was scary. So be strong and courageous, he says. And I think going into this post-COVID reality, the world in which we live, coming up against the ideologies that we are going to face, it could easily also cause us to want to turn back and be inhibited. But I think God is calling us to come against the fortified ideologies of our time. And it will be with the foolishness of the gospel, the unconventional means that God has given to us, so that you and I can stand against these incredible ideologies. We will stand against the ideology of a progressive liberal secularism, and we will stand against the ideology of a cultural conservative nationalism. But we will walk that narrow path of the gospel and God's conventional means going forward into the land that God has promised us. In the last few months as I've been ramping up for this position, I've been talking to pastors all over the country, and it's amazing as they step into the cultural moment in which we live and preach the gospel faithfully, they are getting pounded from the right and they are getting pounded from the left. They are getting pounded from all sides. And in 35 years of pastoral ministry, I have never seen anything like it. And all I know to do is say, as God leads us into this new place, we've got to lean like never before on his promises. The land that he speaks of, God says in verse 2 and 3, I'm giving them. He also then says, I have given. So there's actually a past tense and there is a present tense, which speaks to our Yahweh God, who's the God who was and is and is to come. He was with us coming out of Egypt. He was with us in those 40 years of forming and shaping. So he will be with us as we go into the land that he is now calling us. He has promised us that when we go into this place, it will be a land flowing with milk and honey. How interesting that your missions conference is called Flourishing. Because that's exactly what God is calling us to. The land of milk and honey is a land of flourishing. And I think this is a time of rich potential gospel witness. In our own communities, in our own Jerusalem, yes in Judea, Samaria, but even to the ends of the earth. It's an unprecedented time when if we would obey God's covenant commands, we will experience the blessings he has for us. But if we hold back and disobey him, those blessings will be removed. God's promise to his people today is real simple. Take 2 Chronicles 7 and 14. If my people who humble themselves will pray, I will come and I will heal their land. Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all the nations, and I will be with you. Do you hear that? I will be with you. That's the promise that actually started this entire thing all the way back up in verse 5. I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you, God said to Joshua. So a second time he says it, be strong and courageous. 
And this is now what we should so do. We had a so that, now we have a so do. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Now, I am not, I'm going to do my best to, to, to dance around the minefields of our political environment today, but I just wonder what that means today for the Scripture itself to speak to us and say, do not turn from God's Word, do not go to the right or to the left. You know, in the, in the time of the New Testament, the right was the, uh, the, the, the kind of the, the Judaizers and the, the Pharisees and the people who were, who were so rigid and legalistic on the law, and the left were the, the, the Gnostics and the people who kind of said everything was kind of, kind of mushy and just spiritual but didn't actually relate to people actually. And yet there was that middle path that the Apostle Paul followed that you and I must follow as well, not to the right or to the left, not to a progressive secularism and not to a cultural conservative nationalism but rather the gospel of Jesus Christ and that gospel he tells us must not depart from our mouth in fact he says we should meditate on it night and day much like the psalmist does in Psalm 1 the righteous person is described as someone who meditates on God's word night and day then he says we're to be careful to do that all that is written in it, which reminds us of James chapter 1, that we're supposed to be doers of the word, not just merely hearers who are so self-deluded. If we do that, if we meditate on God's word, if we would be those who would do all that is written in it and stay on that gospel narrow path, because wide is the path that leads to destruction. If we would stay on that narrow gospel path, and follow him into this place, the scripture here promises us, then we will have success and prosper. Not as the prosperity gospel would give us. That is a cultural accommodation. But according to God's standards of what is prosperity. And what is that? It's a land flowing with milk and honey where all of us in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth will flourish. So I'll say it a third time, be strong and courageous. And this third time gives us not the, uh, the so that or the so do, the third time gives us the so what. Be strong and courageous. So what? So you don't have to be frightened. You don't have to be dismayed. Let me add a little bit in the Weaver paraphrase version. You don't have to be overwhelmed. You don't have to be discouraged. You don't have to be defeated or deflated or discouraged or depressed. So what? Be strong and courageous. And this isn't the first time actually Israel is hearing this, by the way. Just turn back a few pages to Deuteronomy 31, verses 1 through 8. God said the same thing to Moses that Moses was saying to the people, that God is now saying to Joshua, that Joshua is going to say to the people. It's the almost exact same thing. Look up Deuteronomy 1, 31, 1 through 8, and then look up Joshua 1, 1 through 8, and you'll see an almost parallel edition. God is saying it a second time. Why? Because we never get it. In fact, yeah, think about that. When you're growing up, if you were in trouble and your mother called out to you, my mother would say, Dean, Dean. Now, if I got David Dean, then I knew I was really in for it. But what happens when something is there three times? Not double for emphasis, but three times. Like a God who is holy, holy, holy. Thrice holy for this Trinitarian God. That really 
gets our attention. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Why? Because the Lord is with you. If you'll notice very carefully in this text, verse 5 and verse 9 act like a set of bookends. It starts with, I will be with you, I will not leave you and forsake you. It ends with the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And the three be strongs and courageous are like the spinal column or they're kind of the meat of the sandwich, if you will. It's what builds the framework in between those two statements which tell us what this text is actually all about. We can be strong and courageous. Why? Because God is with us. And just as he was with us in the times of Moses, he will be with us in the times of Joshua. And you and I can go forward into the land that God has for us, the scary, overwhelming, intimidating land, and trust that God, who has given us his promise, is true, that we will inherit that land if we stay faithful to God's word as God's people. So be strong and very courageous because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I will tell you quite honestly, um, I really didn't want the job of the stated clerk of the EPC. I was a pastor and enjoying it with a great congregation that I loved dearly and loved me in spite of all of my failings and shortcomings cared for my family it was a sense of the beloved community and I I didn't want to go following on the heels of Jeff Jeremiah who served our denomination so faithfully for 15 years as we've gone from 180 churches to 660 churches I want to tell you I was close enough to Jeff for a long period of time to know that it was a job I did not want And I tell you with all honesty, considering what lies before me, I am a bit terrified. And so I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you. Be strong and courageous. You know what's interesting is outside of this text, <laughs> if you go for a fourth time, all the way down to the end of the chapter, in verse 18, he says it one more time for good measure. The chapter actually ends with him saying it again. Only be strong and courageous. And we can be, my friends, because our God is with us. And because our God is with us, we can therefore arise. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, that you make these promises to us, and your promises are true, and you are good for your word. Give us the faith to trust and believe and to follow, Lord, that we might follow you because you are with us. And there is no uh, way in which we could experience more um, fully this sense of your Emmanuel presence than not only in the word preached, but now the sacrament received. 